This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name's Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. This episode is the first in our new construction series, and today I interviewed Craig Dealing from Master Builders Queensland. We decided to do this series to look into an industry that just simply doesn't have enough conversation. Australia loses one construction worker every two days to suicide, and more than 20% of the construction industry is shown to have had a mental health condition. These figures are made even more compelling as it's an industry that employs 10% of the working population. We want to focus on this industry. We're going to be doing this for a limited time and interviewing people from a range of different areas in the construction industry. We're going to be talking about holistically what's happening in that industry. We're going to be looking internally into their organisations and just picking their brain about the ins and outs of what's happening and how we can all help to try and make an improvement in the mental health of people in this industry. Thanks again for listening, and if you want to learn more about Move Your Mind, you can visit our new website, which is moveyourmind.me. There's a community section, there's information on what we do, and much more. And you can also purchase the Move Your Mind book by going to nickbrax.com book. Craig, I really appreciate you making the time from Queensland to come on this Move Your Mind uh, construction podcast series. This is You're, you're the first, the first of... Um, this series the first person to come on and we're super excited to talk to people like yourself in this industry with Move Your Mind we're making a big push into servicing that industry and, and trying to really fill a gap I think in, in, in that area so you know first of all I just wanted to say to you we really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to, to come and have this chat. Sure thanks Nick look it's an honour to be here uh, on your podcast and, and it's a privilege to be invited on and speak about this uh, really important issue for our industry. So uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Appreciate it, mate. So I guess um, before we get into it, um, would you mind just giving a bit of a, a background on yourself and, you know, what you do? Yeah, sure. Look, I'm I'm a pretty simple person. Um, I'm very, I'm totally unremarkable, unlike you. I uh, was looking you up recently and your Wikipedia page, I think it says you're an actor, a mental health advocate, uh, a model, a fashion designer. It doesn't mention an author, but you're an author too. Um, so compared <laughs> to you, mate, I am very, very unremarkable. Uh, look, very simply, I finished high school in 1998. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I fell into a job in construction. Uh, I worked at that job for a few years. I met my now wife there and uh, she encouraged me to go study and I went and went back to university as a mature age student. I got a job at Master Builders when I was still studying. 
started here in January 2006. I left at the end of 2011, went out into the, the world and worked at a few other places for the past 10 years. And I've just come back. I came back to Master Builders in May of this year and um, just absolutely love being back and, and love the work we're doing at the moment. I love that, mate. And look, I'll I'll take the ego boost that you were saying before, but um, I don't I don't think that's quite true what you're saying. You know, and Wikipedia and all these online things can you know say all this stuff, but you know, it's like far from the truth a lot of the time of what's going on behind the scenes. Um, so I, but I'll take the ego boost. But no, thank you for <laughs> for, for sharing that. And um, you know, I, lo I love hearing that and love it that you know, like what you're saying, you've gone down this path and you know you've ended up where you are now when you know really loving the environment you're in and the work you're doing. And, you know, I think that's all any of us can really ask for to, you know, we're all trying to find that position and that's, you know, an ever moving sort of thing where, um, you know, things might, you know, work at one point and then something happens and things change, but to be in that position is, you know, really, really good. And, um, you know, a great message to, to get out to people. So I guess the, the, the first question I have, and, you know, as I'd said earlier, um, this is the first of, of our construction series interviews, um, really just looking at understanding the this industry um the ins and outs of it what what what's happening on the mental health front um i guess the most obvious question um or the first one that comes to mind um how how was your industry affected from covid and what were the implications of that one of the most interesting things with covid was that you know generally speaking in queensland especially but around the country construction continued to work. So the building and construction industry is an essential service. Uh, we always mm -hmm. need things built. We always need infrastructure. We need buildings. We need houses. Generally speaking, the industry continued to work. So when during COVID, it was really strange because whilst people were locked down and they couldn't leave their houses, we were going to work. Uh, I know of people in our industry that did not spend a day at home uh, or didn't lose a day of work during the pandemic. Uh, even myself, I, I spent a couple of weeks working at home and uh, I was back in the office after three, four weeks uh, when it first hit in, in sort of March, April 2020. So our industry was, I, I shouldn't say unaffected, but it was affected differently. We weren't affected by shutdowns, but what we did find, and we're still dealing with it right now is we were affected by uh, materials shortages because uh, items that we import weren't able to come into the country as easily. So we're suffering from material shortages. That was then compounded by uh, war in Ukraine where um, you know materials come out of, out of Europe and the Ukraine. But when we're in COVID itself, we continue to work, but we are suffering now from the effects of COVID, COVID with material shortages, also with labour shortages. Uh, we get a lot of skilled labour, not a lot, we get some skilled labour, sorry, from overseas, so that was restricted. So what we're seeing now is increases in the cost of materials, uh, struggling to actually get materials, and we're also struggling with a labour shortage. So we're still, as of right now, suffering the effects, even though at the heart of the pandemic or the height, sorry, of the pandemic, uh, we weren't shut down. Yeah, interesting. And is some of that labour shortage uh, because of how the world's changed through COVID and people, I, I guess, like you're saying in your industry, a lot of the work is 
manual labor and it you know it, it, it couldn't be done online or it couldn't be put on hold during COVID. and now that the world has changed and people are discovering that okay maybe i can look at other alternatives is that one of the reasons why there's an issue with with labor in the industry Look, there's a range of issues, and that's one of the yeah. things in construction. There's never just one issue. Um, yeah. But in construction, and, and this was said to me many years ago, and I, I really repeat it any time I get the opportunity, but people build projects. We can't offshore. We can't always you know, manufacture it and place it on site. Generally speaking, mm. people build projects, and we need people on the job. We um, suffered because, I mean, as you said, People can't work from home. There's not the flexibility. Like ultimately, if you've got to pour concrete, you need to be on site to pour concrete. If you're going to drive a crane, you need to be on site to drive the crane. But what we have also seen in our industry is when we're at the height of the pandemic or during the pandemic, the government introduced a range of stimulus to keep the economy going. And there was programs in the construction industry to encourage building. So people said, well, okay, we'll take those government incentives and we'll get some work done, whether it just be a reno in their house or, or whatever it might be. So that placed a strain on materials, a placed a strain on labour as well. What mm. we also saw is um, as people were unable to travel, they were taking that money and investing it in their homes or in construction. So mm. instead of going to, to Canada for the winter for skiing or, or to you know, New York in the summer, whatever it might be, people said, well, I'll take that few thousand dollars that I'd normally spend on an overseas holiday and I'll get some work done around the house. So that's also placed a strain on labour. But one of the things in construction, and it's a, a generalisation, and I do speak often in generalisations, but... Mm. Construction is one of those industries where it can be difficult to work flexibly like other industries. Mm -hmm. One of the things I tell people, though, is that construction can still have flexibility. And this has always been one of the problems we've had. There's this perception that you have to be on site at five in the morning and you have to be there at six at night and you can't work from home. But flexibility is more than just working from home. Flexibility can be around start and finish times. Flexibility can be around when you take breaks, working at different times of the day. So construction just needs to be a little bit smarter in how it works uh, to ensure that we can attract people to the industry and we don't continue to suffer these labour shortages. But as I said at the start, there's a range of issues and a range of reasons why we experience labour shortages and it's not just one thing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and I guess in whatever industry you're in, even if you can work completely remote, there's going to be, you know, pros and cons and difficulties and, you know, uh, constant navigation. So I guess like you're saying, you know, people really understanding that and understanding all the positives of working in the industry as well as just, you know, rather than looking at it in that very simplistic form. So, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense to me, but, you know, obviously a super complicated area. Um, traditionally. But on that, sorry, well, Nick, just, just yeah, to, oh no, please, yeah. sorry. Um, just Go on that, I, whilst we will talk about some of the mental health issues and we'll talk about some of the negatives of the industry, Construction is a very rewarding industry. It's a great industry. I've worked in it my whole career. 
my wife works in construction. My father worked in construction. I've got other relatives working in construction. It is a challenging industry, but it's very rewarding. It's very tangible. There's nothing better yeah. than driving past a building or driving over a bridge and being able to say, I worked on that. I helped build that. And it's something you can brag about. It's something you can tell your mates about, your family. It's a conversation starter. It is a very rewarding industry. And we do have challenges. We have labour shortages. We have material costs. We have fixed price contracts which are affecting us. We have wet weather. There, there are many issues, but it is a great industry and it's a very, very rewarding industry. I love that point. You know, thank you for sharing that. And um, that I think that what you just said there is more relevant in this day and age than ever because you know we live in a world now where most things or a lot of things are intangible because of technology because of you know the industries that a lot of people are moving into and how the world's being run and you know it's exhausting and I talk about this all the time and you know it's unhealthy and you can sort of struggle to find a sense of purpose when you're sort of living in a virtual world you know like a lot of us are um, so I think it's kind of refreshing and probably a lot of people need to hear that and learn about that and you know i think that's an attractive thing for so many people to be able to within this crazy world we're in this is cut and dry you know you're you're building something if you're making creating a building putting a building up that's tangible it's like not there's no in between it's like this is a physical thing that is going to get built and you know you, you can go and look at it like you're saying i think that's um yeah a really important thing you know for people to look into in, in the day and age we, we live in because, you know, so many problems are arising from people just living in this virtual way and not feeling connected to anything because, you know, it, you can get, it can be, be very convoluted. And I look at some of your work and, and where you talk about, you know, every day being grateful for something. Uh, Master Builders has our annual awards. So we have awards in each of our regions, then we have state awards and people are genuinely proud when they win an award and they see what they've done and that they're acknowledged by their peers. And if you talk about what you're grateful for, if you work in the industry, uh, you can be grateful that you can be proud of that tangible job that you did. It is, it is very, very cool stuff. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, exactly. It, exactly. You can really, it's something to be connected to. So I guess going into the the mental health side, I guess in the industry as a whole, um, traditionally, what is what has that been like? Has it been something? I mean, from my experience, it's probably something where, like so many industries, especially you know large large organisations and industries that are you know fast paced and um, that kind of thing, that it's not. I guess it's not talked about a, a lot, and not by the lack of. Um, you know, not, not because of anyone's fault, just because of the nature of um, a culture and, you know, that not changing. And I, so I'm, I'm more asking, not specifically in your company at the moment, but in general terms, you know, what's your, what's your view sort of holistically in the, in the construction industry and what, you know, mental health has, has been like? It's, it's a challenge because of the nature of our industry. So if you look at our industry in Queensland, there's nearly 80,000 businesses in operation across Queensland just in our industry. So where you look at other industries where you might have a lot of workers, what you have in our industry is, yes, a lot of workers, 200,000 in Queensland, uh, over a million workers in, in the country. 
but we also have people that are running businesses as well. So we have this model where, you know, you'll have a builder and they'll have certain parts of projects subcontracted and then they have their workers. So you've got these challenges where it's not just the traditional employer employee, you've got the principal and contractor relationship as well. One of the other big challenges is the project-based nature of the industry, which can make it hard to establish long-term relationships with people. Uh, to, to use an analogy, perhaps that, that might uh, resonate with you, Nick, in uh, the acting world, it's similar. You, you're based, it's, it's not project-based, but you, know, you might pick up a gig on home and away, and you might be told, look, it'll last for two years, and it's great when you've got that role, but for every Alf Stewart or, or Ray Maher, uh, there's plenty of people that just have short-term gigs. There's people that are doing commercials or they've got other jobs to, to supplement it. In construction, we don't have that. Typically, people work in the industry and they stay in the industry, but it is project-based. And when you have a job, you're engaged on that project. And when that project comes to an end, you have to find the next project to go to. And if your employer... Uh, has enough work there, they can just move you around. But if you're running your business, the challenge there can be, well, you want to focus on this project and you want to get this project done and you want to make money, but you're also thinking about, well, I need to win the next project to make sure that I'm making money or to make sure that my workers are still employed. And I find that when I speak to Master Builders members, they, they really feel a sense of obligation to always have work so they can look after their workers and look after their mortgages and make sure they've got an income. But at its heart, the construction mm -hmm. industry is transient, it's project-based, and the only guarantee you have is for the life of the project. But things can change just like in the acting world they might decide to kill you off um, yeah. and in construction projects can change scopes can change the work environment can change and whilst you might think you have six months work that could all of a sudden be one month's work and then you have to find another job so from a mental health perspective there's that uncertainty there's also potential periods of unemployment or underemployment where you finish one project and you're waiting for the next one to start there's also the cultural issues that I've observed, observed sorry, around long hours, long days, weekends, public holidays. We do have this culture where we're on site early and especially in Queensland because it gets warm quite early. You don't want to be working uh, always in the middle of the day. So my daughter is a, is a swimmer, my teenage daughter, and we get to the pool you know, five o'clock, 5.30 most mornings. And there's a big construction site, about a 60, $70 million construction site just near the pool. And when we get to the pool at five in the morning, all of the workers are already on site. So they're starting wow. at five in the morning. They're not finishing before three, four o'clock. Uh, at best, they might finish at two, 2.30. But you're starting early, you're finishing late. Uh, they might work mm. Saturday. So we've got this long hours culture. We've got demands on projects where they'll ramp up, where there's pressure on program, pressure on schedule, where we need to try and meet those milestones because on, on a big commercial project, uh, if you don't finish the job, 
on the day that you say you will in your contract, then you're exposed to financial penalty, liquidated damages. So if every day you're late, you could be exposed to thousands of dollars in penalties to your client. So there's always that, that pressure. We're trying to finish this job. We're thinking about the next job. We're worried about, are we going to have work into the future? Um, it's, it's a lot of uncertainty and there's not a lot of security. Now, a lot of people might enjoy that. Uh, I was reading some research recently which said that you know 20% of construction workers identify that they have experienced mental health issues. So that mm. means 80% haven't based on that research. But the numbers don't lie. We um, have high rates of, of suicide, uh, according to mates in construction. Every year, 190 Australians working in our industry take their own lives. So those are the facts. We also have uh, issues attracting women to the industry. Uh, I think 2% of trade roles are performed by women. And across the board, uh, it's, it's definitely less than 20% of professional roles performed by women. So that tells you something. If women aren't coming into the industry, uh, there must be something culturally or there might be something from a mental health perspective that are meaning people either aren't entering it or they're coming into it and then they're leaving. And I can tell you from my own experience, it's one of those things that when I've worked in other industries, people might leave one job to go work for another job in the same industry. But I've seen recently that people are leaving the industry and just saying, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I just need a break. Mm. Mm. So it is, again, I don't want to be negative. It's very rewarding and it's a great industry to work in. And I've worked in it my whole career. My wife works in it. My father worked in it. But we do have some unique challenges that are impacting on people's mental health. And that is just based on the numbers alone. Yeah. Thank, well, thank you for sharing all of that. And uh, I mean, the numbers, yeah, pretty, pretty alarming. Um, but it also, you know, it makes a lot of sense if you're having that uncertainty when you are working, you're having to work around the clock. I mean, how are people meant to, you know, find balance or do things healthy for them when, um, when they're in that position, you're probably just trying to get through the week and you'd be totally exhausted. So it sounds like, you know, a huge amount of extremes. And as you're saying, I, you know, if I equate it to the entertainment industry that, you know, I've been involved in and seen firsthand that the issues that come out of, you know, that, that nature of the um, transient work, the sort of uncertainty, the project to project basis. I haven't met one actor that I have has, you know, yeah, not one that hasn't had extreme anxiety or, you know, been, even if they entered the industry stable because of all of the roadblocks and issues, um, it'll drive anyone, you know, um, insane to a degree. So it, it makes a, a lot of sense. So I think being, aware of it being able to have these kind of conversations being able to look at it and you know like like you're saying it, it's a great industry and then it's just this is like any industry one area where how can we um how can we look at improving that and have conversations about it and try and find solutions um around around those kind of areas it's you know such an important thing to be doing um and i can imagine there's probably a fairly big drinking culture in people that are doing the hard labor, you know, from, from what I've seen on the periphery, I guess, if you're doing that kind of work, you, you know, it's hugely intensive. You're having, you know, knock off drinks and it becomes, can become a bit of a cycle, I guess, if you're in that part of the industry. Definitely Nick. And that's, that, 
that's one of the issues. If you look at the advice that is given to people around improving their mental health, uh, we talk about exercise. So as you yeah. said, if you're getting on site at 5, 5.30 in the morning and you're not leaving till late in the afternoon, when have you got time to exercise? And yeah. do you want to exercise? Because you've been working on the tools all day. Uh, you've been doing a lot of exercise. Uh, it can be difficult to say, well, okay, I'll go for a jog or a bike ride or, or I'll go to the gym. So that, that's always uh, an issue. As far as drinking goes, I have seen an improvement in that in the last 20 years that I've been working. Um, a, a long time ago, when I first started in the industry, the workers would typically get to site. They'd take smoko about 9, 9.30, and some guys would go to the pub. So if you're working near a pub, you'd go across to the pub and you'd have two or three schooners during smoko, then you'd go back to work. Now, we've moved on from that, but, but we do, do still see um, that tradition of knockoff drinks uh, and that culture. But look, I do have to say it is improving. But you know, if you're working, uh, performing manual labour and in Queensland in the heat and the humidity... If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, it can be very easy to, to have a few beers after work uh, and not notice it. I find myself that if I have a few drinks, I start to notice the gut getting a bit bigger, but that's because I've got an office job and I sit on my bum all day. But <laughs> these guys, it's very easy to drink and absorb that. But as yeah. we know, uh, it feels great at the time. And I know this from my own experience. I feel great at the time when I'm drinking. But then, you know, if you have a few beers Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you spend Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday uh, coming down from that because alcohol is depressant. Um, so, look, I, I think that the drinking culture perhaps is over-exaggerated these days. I think um, we don't see it like we did when I was a lot younger. But... Like I keep saying, there are just so many issues in our industry which are affecting mental health. And, and yeah, drinking um, is definitely one. We also have high rates of smoking. Um, mm. I think people, when they first come into the industry, um, they see how many people are smoking. Uh, we literally still have smoko in our industry. Uh, we're working outside, so it is a lot easier mm. to smoke and you do see people uh, still smoking. So, you know, that has an issue for our physical health, of course, too. Um, but, um, yeah, look, there, there's a range of issues, but, yeah, we still see those, those cultural things. Thank you so much for supporting Move Your Mind. We're expanding the offerings of the organisation and we're tailoring everything we do to suit you guys and to try and answer to all of your needs and the questions that you send in. The book is available globally. You can find all of the links at nickbrax.com book. And we've just released the Move Your Mind community. We've currently got a men's community group, a women's community group, a general group. We're going to be lo loading up other groups. And you can find all of the links at moveyourmind.me. This group's been created based on the needs of what we've heard and learnt throughout running Move Your Mind. And we have live events. We've got courses. We've got 
huge amounts of value, the ability to share information, share ideas, work in groups together to, to grow and share your learnings, to learn about different topics. You get email reminders. There's a whole lot of features in there. We're constantly updating it, and we're so excited to share it with you. You can find all of the information about it at moveyourmind.me. Yeah, and you know, I think you, you're saying there that things have improved dramatically over the last 20 years which is all we can ask for and you know things can only move at a certain change at a certain pace but as long as it's moving in the right direction and and again i guess it's like finding and you know a big thing that we do with with move your mind is trying to find okay if we look at an industry when you know obviously there's a whole range of things that most of us are aware of that in an ideal world like what you're saying you know that we should do it we should be exercising daily we should be doing this that and the other but if you're getting up at five in the morning, you're doing manual labor all day and, you know, you're exhausted by the end of the day and you barely have time to think, you know, when, when are you going to make the time to look after yourself? So it's sort of what we try and look at is, okay, how can we within, you know, these different industries and within the actual industry, look at the individuals and find what are things that can work for each and every person um, that can be personalized to them. Because, and I think that's, you know, that can maybe give you, a 1% improvement rather than trying to go for these drastic changes. I think it's, it's really important. Um, it, it really is. Yeah. And, and the, the difficulty we have in our industry too, is that it's not just about the, the workers doing manual labor. Uh, we have a lot of professionals, white collar um, engineers, project managers, site managers. We have a lot of people that are involved and um, that's why there's just not one, easy fix there's so many different competing issues for everyone and it's what I find with our industry too and and I've seen this from my own experience when I've worked remotely uh, doing you know FIFO type arrangements is that it's not just the impact on you but it's the impact on your family as well if you're working from five in the morning and I'm using extreme examples here, but if you're working from five, six in the morning and working through to five, six, you know, I've seen it definitely in the white collar professional environments where they're working those 12 hour days and they're working Saturdays is that it creates issues for your spouse. And if you've got kids, so what you're doing is you're taking on all these issues at work and then also you're impacting those people at home. So it makes it difficult, and and I've seen this, it makes it difficult for the spouse to work because the person working in the industry is doing such big hours that they can't do school drop-off, they can't participate in in sport, they can't run kids around on the weekend. So that then creates a mental health issue because the worker all of a sudden thinks they start to feel this guilt because they're thinking, well, yes, I'm providing for my family, but what about the impact I'm having on my family by not being there, not being present and not being able to help out more. So it's just such a big issue. And then if you go back to what I said earlier about the number of small businesses in the industry, like you will see small business owners, they'll be on site for 12 hours a day. Then they have to go home and they have to do their contracts they have to do their finances. And I actually had a member contact me recently and they're working on site 10, 12 hours a day. They then go home, they're pricing jobs, but their spouse who has a full-time job, a quite a senior job in a, in a large business, then to help out, 
after they get home from work, they're helping with the finances, they're helping work with the safety plans. So it just never ends and it just creates these mental health issues where people think, I can't see a way out of this. This is just so big and that leads to depression, to anxiety, so many mental health issues. And there's just not one fix because the industry is so diverse. Absolutely. And and burnout must be just a massive part of that. I mean, if you're doing like that example you said there, that's just no matter who you are, that you might be able to do that for a year, two years, five years, but at some point something's going to give, you know, no one can push themselves to that level for forever. You know, we're all human. And one of the things I've seen, Nick, and, and I see this a lot on projects is, You'll be talking to someone working on the project, they're chain smoking, they're getting towards the end, they're drinking a lot, and they say to you, yeah, I'm struggling at the moment, but once I get to the end of this project, it'll be all fine. But then there's another project or there's another thing. And so we, we need to be able to look at that and say, it's not acceptable. We need to be able to say there must be a better way to do this. And it is a challenge and I don't want to appear to be blaming um, you know, our clients, for instance, because if you, I'm going to ask you, Nick, if you were building a house, it's probably the biggest investment you will make in your life. So it's understandable that you want it done as quickly as possible and as efficiently as possible from a cost perspective. Um, and what that then creates is a client who they might even be renting while they're waiting for their house to be built. The client's like, well, I really need you to finish this. And we feel that obligation to rush, 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 rush. Uh, and you see it on small projects, you see it on big projects. There is always this requirement to do it as quickly as possible because people want to get into their new house. It's a big investment for them. Clients, if they're building a factory, they want production. If they're building a mine, they want to start digging uh, the resources out of the mine. But as an industry, and, and this is what I'm passionate about, and this is why I've, I've really come back to master builders, is I want to look at a range of issues and say, there must be a better way of doing this because the numbers mm. don't lie on mental health, on suicide. It's, it's an issue. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's a, a really good example what you're giving there and you know so interesting and the insights you know really fascinating what you're talking about what 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 about with um master builders what 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 are you guys doing are there certain things when it comes to well-being mental health internally that that you guys are, are doing look we're doing a few things so Master builders are not a builder. We don't actually build anything. So we are the, the peak industry association for building and construction, and we represent uh, the interests of our just over 9,500 members. So we provide support, advice, assistance to members, and we advocate on their behalf to influence uh, government policy, legislation, and general industry outcomes but we're also an employer in our own right. So we employ mm -hmm. people to provide advice, to work on policy, to provide assistance with HR, with work health and safety, with licensing, with contracts, etc. cetera. Um, so what 
we do internally is we have flexible work arrangements for, for people. We have a scheme called U Days, where if someone just needs a day off to, to catch up on life admin or just to, you know, have a break from work, we have what's called U Days, which are in addition to your annual leave and, and other forms of leave. So we're doing that for our people internally. But what we're doing for our members at the moment is we're trying to provide as much resources as possible for our members to get mental health support. And what mm -hmm. we're doing is instead of just going to one source, we're speaking to multiple providers because we know that there's just not one solution which will work for everyone. We're speaking to people like Mates in Construction who have been around for a long time. There's uh, other providers that we're speaking to as well with the idea being that if someone is struggling with their mental health, they don't just have to call one person if it doesn't work, then that's the end of it. We want to provide a range of resources. So on our website, we've got a mental health page which provides links, which provides advice and support to our members um, so that if they are struggling or if they identify someone that's struggling, they know what to do. Uh, so that's what we're doing at the moment. And look, unfortunately, and I can tell you this, we have had people who have contacted us uh, with mental health struggles who have later committed suicide. Mm -hmm. It's terrible. And that our staff have to deal with that. Our staff are taking phone calls, not just from, from the people themselves, but again, we're getting calls from spouses who are saying, you know, my spouse is really struggling at the moment. They're not talking to me. They're not eating. They're drinking a lot. I know the business is struggling. What can I do to help them? Like these are the sort of things we're hearing at the moment. Um, so master builders want to be able to support members as much as possible and at least put them in touch with the people that can help them. But we're also developing training courses and, and general industry briefings where we can provide some of that uh, support to members and say, hey, if you think there is an issue, this is what you can do about it. Yeah, it's fantastic. And and couldn't agree with, with you more with what you're saying with with you guys, with how you're looking at, at it as a whole and realising, you know, there's no one size fits all. And I think that's such an important thing because if you if you do look at it the other way, you just, you can't get the right tools across to, to people that need it. And, and it is alarming, you know, it's something that's not talked about a lot because it's a really heavy thing. But like you're saying, the fact that, you know, this does happen, people do commit suicide and uh, it, it it's, it's just, a, it's a fact. And it's something that hopefully we can start to chip away at by having more conversations, providing better resources and really listening to what people in the industry need. So, you know, I really love everything that you guys are doing and what you're talking about and majorly appreciate you making the time, you know, to do this today. Um, for anyone listening to this, if they want to learn more, where, where are there, where's best just to, to your, to master builders website, or there's some, where's some links. We'll put it all in the show notes, but what's the best place for them to go. If you go to MBQLD .com.au. Uh, there's a link to our mental health resources. You just click on that and you can read all about it. Perfect. We'll put all of that in the show notes. So we finish every episode with five key questions. Um, so I might just jump straight into that if, if, if you're okay with that. These are, these are sort of, sure. you know, whatever answer comes to mind. So, um, yep. F first one is what's your best childhood memory? 
that comes to mind? Well, firstly, Nick, I, I must, firstly, Nick, I must confess, I have listened to your podcast, so I know these questions were coming, so I did prepare <laughs> uh, a little bit, but uh, I did want it to be off the cuff, but, but you know, me being me, I did want to prepare. Um, best childhood no, no, memory was good. a tough <laughs> but the best childhood memory for me was a tough one. I, I had a happy childhood. I had a very good childhood. And the more I think about it, I can't think of one uh, single memory that was my best uh, childhood uh, memory. What I would say is that I had a really happy childhood. Uh, I have many happy memories. And there's probably not one that I can pinpoint and say that is the best one. Well, I think that's a great answer. And, you know, that's great to hear. And, you know, love the fact that. Um, there's too many to pick from. So, you know, I haven't had that answer come up so far um, and I think it's really good. So thank you for that one. Um, second one, what what would you say in the construction industry is, I mean, you've talked about a number of them in this interview, but what would you say is the biggest or one of the biggest issues regarding mental health in the in the construction industry? I think one of the biggest issues is the lack of meaningful discussion about mental health. So there are many initiatives, there are many programs. We are becoming more and more aware of mental health and suicide in our industry, but it still is difficult for us to have those meaningful discussions. And I think um, one of the other things which is difficult is that, and I suffer from this myself, is that I don't know how to answer the question in a meaningful way when someone says, how are you? Are you struggling? Mm. Like my boss spoke to me the other day and and said, um, you know, how's things, Craig? And I said, yeah, good. Even though I was stressed at the time and I was under the pump, it's just my my instinct to say, yeah, good. And and one of the things that, I mean, it's an Australian thing as much as it is a construction thing. And Nick, I'm not sure, you know, in New York and Canada and, and during your travels, if it is something overseas, but in Australia, we are hardwired that when we see someone, it's, g'day, Nick, how you going, mate? Yeah, good, mate. How's yourself? Yeah, not bad, mate. But that's all we do. And I, I was up the sunny coast on the weekend and I was just going for a morning walk and someone that I don't know just said, how you going, mate? What? That's, that's just what we do. That is our greeting. So the biggest issue for us in our industry is how do we move on from how you going, mate, to actually having meaningful discussions, asking proper questions, but also understanding how to properly answer the question. We want to get in early. We want to educate people about these issues, but how we can do something about it. Yeah, I think that's a really, really important answer. And and that's what I've seen myself, you know, working when I've gone and I've done quite a lot of um, talks in, in the construction industry and uh, you see it, you know, and it's not just in that industry. It, like you said, it's, this is an Australian thing and, you know, more broadly something that I think in general it's been part of our culture that, you know, you sort of don't go into detail or it's seen, especially in the workplace, there's a fear that comes with if I actually answer that, honestly and show some vulnerability will that jeopardize my position at work or how will that be received and these are things that you know it's no fault of any individual it's no fault of any company because these are deep cultural things that are so embedded and you know what I found from doing that that work would I'd go in there and you you 
I'd share my own story and show vulnerability. And at the beginning, people are, you know, very closed off and very gradually one, you know, normally one or two people that have never opened up will open up. And then that has a ripple effect and you see other people start to to show some vulnerability and talk about it. And, and, you know, I think it's that kind of thing that needs to happen on a, you know, organic sort of um, in an organic way on a regular basis to really chip away at it because otherwise it's just, it's so difficult. It's got to requires, you know, multiple people going and on a daily basis trying to set that example. And it's not a simple thing to change, but I, anyway, I, I couldn't agree with you more basically with, with what you said there for that one. So, um, so the, the next one, what, what's your personal definition of happiness? My personal definition of happiness is living in the present. I think that if you're living in the present, you're happy. So what I mean by that is if you're not dwelling on the past or worrying about the past and you're not anxious about the future, but you're actually living in the present, that is what happiness is to me. And I remember speaking to my GP years ago uh, when I was having my own mental health issues and I was explaining to, to my GP that I feel like that because of work demands, I don't have any time with my family. And he said to me, look, work will always be there and there are going to be times where you're very busy at work. But even if you only get 15 minutes with your kids or with your wife, even if it's only a short period of time, just be present. And it was really good advice. So when I think about my personal definition of happiness, it's when I'm not worried about the past, I'm not thinking about the future, I'm in the present. I love that answer, mate. And and like you said, you know, there's so many things day to day we can't control. Sometimes we might be super busy and only have that 15 minutes. Other times we won't have more time, or we might, you know, we might be stressed and we, you know, we don't know. But what we can control, what you're saying, you know, when we do have that that time um like you're saying with your family try and really be present in that and that's something we can control and you know you get a lot more value out of it so yeah really great okay so i've got two more here um what are you most afraid of <laughs> i thought about <laughs> this one a while nick i, I really did yeah. um because I, I i couldn't think of too much i was afraid of i think people would say to you spiders or snakes or um you know i like to spend a lot of time at the beach so people might say sharks but <laughs> I realised what I'm afraid of is getting old. So we can't affect, we can't change that. We will all get older, but I think that's what I'm afraid of. And um, even though I'm getting older and and you know I'm getting a bit of grey in the beard and a few grey hairs, um, I still like to think I'm young and I'm cool and I'm hip. But my um, my daughter, I've got two teenage kids. My 15 year old daughter, uh, I remember once she said to me, um, "Dad, you think you're so cool because you listen to Triple J? Listen, sorry, listen to Triple J, but you're not." Um, she also recently called me a boomer. I said, um, "I was born in the 80s. I'm not a boomer. My parents are boomers." So. I was most offended and then I realised probably what I'm most afraid of is getting old. I, I just hope that I'm, even if I'm getting old in age, I hope that I'm, I'm young at heart and, and still uh, seen as that young, cool, hip person. Absolutely, mate. I think that's the main thing, young, young at heart. You, you're looking good, you know, full, full head of hair there and looking, looking um, young, young dad. So I think, you know, you, you, you're ticking the boxes, but I, I, I share this fear with you. That's one of my biggest fears that, you know, we can't control it and it's, it's terrifying to think about, but it's one of those things that um, it's going to happen. So yes, yeah, it's, um, 
what can we do? Uh, exactly. So, final one. What What are you most proud of? I am most proud of my wife, and so maybe I'm most proud of myself for being able to convince her to marry me. But <laughs> if I look at my wife, um, she's she studied engineering she did a double degree in the 90s uh, and she did that when there were no women studying engineering or very few women uh, she's worked in the industry since the 90s and she still works in it um, and there were no women when she started and, and even now there's there's not as many as, as we'd like mm. to see so I'm very proud of her because um, she's been able to to achieve that um, if I look at it personally, she was the person that encouraged me to go back and study. And if it wasn't for her, then I wouldn't have the career that I have. She was the one that identified that I was having mental health issues and encouraged me to get help. So I have her to thank for my uh, mental health. And I've got two kids, two teenage kids. Um, my genes, I think, are very weak because the kids um, are very smart, like their mother. Um, they look like her and uh, very good uh, sports people too. So they got all that from her. So uh, I'm very proud of her for giving me all that. But maybe I'm just proud of myself because I was able to convince her to marry me and give me all that. <laughs> Well, I love that answer, mate. And she, yeah, it sounds amazing and incredibly resilient. And, you know, what you're saying, her, you know, in, in that industry, male-dominated industry and having the career she's had and everything else, um, pretty amazing, pretty amazing. So uh, yes, thank you much. for sharing that, mate. Yeah, appreciate it. And, and um, yeah, I really do appreciate you coming on here and, you know, being the first of our guests for this new series that we're doing and being so open and, and sharing so many insights about the industry. I've learned a lot and I think everyone listening to this is going to take a lot out and, um, yeah, super grateful and would love to potentially do a follow-up on in, in the future as well. So, yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I just wanted to, to say thanks so much for, for making the time. We you know, really do appreciate it. It was my pleasure, Nick, and I'd be more than happy to, to speak with you about it again at any time. Appreciate it, mate. Thanks to Craig Dealing for joining me today for Move Your Mind. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website at moveyourmind.me and you can purchase the Move Your Mind book at nickbrax.com book.